Today's episode is brought to you by Birthing Stone and their baby sleep coaching program. Birthing Stone sleep coaches help you invest in a lifetime of good sleep for your little one and provide in-home personalized support to help you reach your goals. Head over to motherbirth.co slash birthingstone for more information. Yeah, I definitely think about that. And Melissa and I have talked about this quite a bit in the last month or so. Um, Just that intuition is your greatest tool. I think we live in, uh, we, we all happen to live in the United States where there are actual like thousands and thousands of tools to help you be a new mom. And some of them are life-saving and you would never give them up, you know, <laughs> but your greatest tool is really your intuition and your own mother voice. We believe that not just babies are born, mothers are born too. We're your hosts, Lara, a labor and delivery nurse and aspiring midwife, and Melissa, a mother and doula. Welcome to Motherbirth, a space for thought-provoking and inspirational conversations about birth and the deep exploration of what it means to become a mother. Hey everybody, thanks so much for joining us today. Laura and I have a special guest today who is from Tennessee. Uh, Vanessa Evigan is a, a blogger who writes at Her Morning Coffee, and she shares about motherhood and fashion and health and beauty. Um, we're really excited to have her on the show today to share about her recent journey into motherhood. So, Vanessa, will you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yes. Uh, first of all, thanks so much for having me. Um, thanks for being here. <laughs> so, I am originally from Los Angeles, and I met my husband about five and a half years ago, and he is from Nashville. So when we decided that we were going to really be serious, um, I, I moved here. So, so that is, um, that's, that's what's taken me here. And, uh, I got pregnant on our honeymoon and we, yeah, we got married about a year, a little over a year ago. And it was, it was in October of 2016. And we really weren't planning on getting pregnant right away. We're also quite a bit older than your average person who's trying to start a family. So we we were very excited that we were able to get pregnant so fast. Mm-hmm. So we just dove right in. And by so fast, you mean Literally, immediately. immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had people tell me, oh, it's going to take you a little while because of your age and it's going to just, you know, just just have fun and do your thing. And sure enough, we, we came home from South Africa and I got very sick. And I didn't know why. And then sure enough, found out I was pregnant a couple weeks later. That's great. That's so amazing. Yeah. So you were trying, you were not trying to prevent it. It was something you guys were prepared for. We were prepared, you know, it was, it was finally that time where we could say, okay, we don't, we don't have to worry anymore now and we're married and I'm pretty sure it may have happened on the first try uh first try (laughs) (laughs) well that's that's a fun story too for for your daughter yeah Uh, it's you have a a son his name's Maverick oh you have a son okay yeah that'll be fun to tell him I mean someday when when it's I mean it'll never not be awkward talking about how our children were conceived but Okay, so you come back from South Africa. You find out you're pregnant. Um, how does that set, how does that information settle in? So, I remember being in Los Angeles visiting my mom, who had just had a hip operation, 
and I kept throwing, I threw up uh, out of nowhere. It was the strangest thing. And my mom said, maybe you're pregnant. And I said, absolutely not. There's no way. They're just, there's, I, they can't, it can't be. And so she kept going on and on about, I don't know, you kind of have these symptoms. And I took a test out there and I wasn't pregnant and I got home back to Nashville and was just feeling a little off. I'd have a glass of red wine and it, I couldn't drink it. My face would turn bright red, which never happens when I drink wine. And, and then sure enough, I took another pregnancy test probably a few days later and it, and it came out that I was pregnant and I almost fell off the toilet. I, I saw it. <laughs> and thought this was impossible. And so I took... Thank you for being real about where pregnancy yeah, tests happen. Yeah, they in the toilet unless you're, you know, in a jungle and you're standing, you know, <laughs> squatting somewhere. But no, this this was... This was... I, I literally took four more tests right afterwards because I thought that this just cannot be possible. And I remember my yeah. husband making jokes while we were in South Africa saying, maybe we, maybe we made a baby. Maybe we made a baby. And I kept saying, don't say that. We're not, we're, you know, this isn't, I'd love to be, a, mm-hmm. I'd love to be a wife first before we get pregnant. So, of course, my husband came home uh, that night and I really wanted to do something special to tell him. And it was Christmas. It was around Christmas time. We had our tree up and I remember giving him this little jar that said, you're going to be a dad. And he was in complete shock. Like you would have thought he saw a ghost at first. Mm-hmm. And I just kept thinking, wow, that's so funny because he was the one who really kept saying, maybe we made a baby. Maybe we made a baby. <laughs> so it was a pretty big shock for both of us. And then I'd say about two weeks after it really sunk in, we were so excited. And then I went into total terror mode of, oh my gosh, what if, what if I lose the baby? Oh my gosh, what if this, what if that? Cause I'm a complete hypochondriac worry wart. And it pretty mm. much lasted for nine months. <laughs> and, and then thank God, everything was healthy. Everything, you know, he, he was healthy and everything was okay. So. Mm. So, so you had a healthy, normal pregnancy. Well, um, and yet you exactly, it was, it was definitely healthy. I pushed, I was in labor for over 24 hours and I pushed for four hours. And then unfortunately Maverick didn't, he just was too big. He wanted to, he wanted to stay in there. So they had to do, um, I developed a fever and then they had to do a C-section, but all is well. I had an amazing doctor and everything was fine. So, but it wasn't exactly how I had hoped for. And it was really, really hard for me in that moment to accept that this isn't how I had planned it. You know, I was going to, I was going to have a vaginal birth. I was going to be, but I think that I had gestational diabetes, uh, gestational diabetes throughout my pregnancy. So I, and I was also considered a geriatric pregnancy, which I think is so unfair because I was 35 when it happened. It's a rude like, term. Yeah, <laughs> how rude. Yeah. They're, they're calling it advanced maternal age now, I think, just to be a little bit gentler and kinder, but it's, it's not, it insinuates the it same does. thing. And I, I would have much preferred that over geriatric pregnancy. So, but yeah, yeah we, for sure. <laughs> but I've, it was a definite, um, it was a challenge being pregnant with gestational diabetes and 
But it was another another thing that I got to tell you when I when I get pregnant again, if I'm lucky enough to have another child, I will definitely stay on a very very strict gestational diabetes diet because not only is it better for the baby and for myself, uh, I felt incredible while I was on it, and I didn't have to worry about his mm -hmm. size or anything because he was growing rapidly. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about that experience. I know, and Lara's obviously the the expert here on on that. But I'm curious, you know, maybe for some listeners who don't know much about gestational diabetes, if you can tell us, you know, when you found out, kind of what what you know protocol you followed, um, just any of those any of sure, those details. Yes, of course. So I was I was I'm a really fit and healthy woman. I'm you know I'm pretty thin. I'm I eat very, very healthy. I'm gluten-free. I'm, you know, everything you could imagine on the health scale. And so I, my doctor had said to me before the test that they give you to make sure that you don't have gestational diabetes, when they make you drink that awful orange drink, they yeah. said to me, just don't have any carbs that morning. Don't, you know, just eat protein. And I thought, okay, well, Okay, I, did, I still don't understand why they tell you to do that because if you're going to have diabetes, you, you want to find out. You're going to have it either way. Well, you're going to have it either so way. I, 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 <laughs> yeah. I actually passed my gestational diabetes test. So I went on for three weeks after the test, and I, I truly thought that I was dying every time I ate. And I felt so sick. I couldn't stand up. I, and I just kept thinking, this is, I don't know what's wrong with me. And it was really depressing because, you know, you, the doctor says you're fine and you pass the test and I have no idea what's going on. So I just kept thinking, okay, well, maybe the pregnancy is just getting harder. It's supposed to be getting easier as the month goes on, other than your legs swelling up and, you know, all the other stuff that comes along with it. But once I, I, I went back to the doctors and I said, listen, I, I, something isn't right. I, I'm, I don't feel well. Every time I eat, I don't feel well. So... They said, all right, well, we're going to, the baby, your baby is growing. He's very big. So we are a little concerned that you might actually have gestational diabetes, even though you tested negative for it. So they gave me the little test to bring home. And they said to the girl who is terrified of needles, you're going to poke yourself four times a day, every day for basically the rest of your pregnancy. No, that, this was before I found out I had it. And they said, prick your finger and, you know, you're going to track your, they, had, they gave me the little tracker, the whole thing. And they said, don't change anything in your diet while you're doing this. Just, just do what you're doing. And sure enough, my levels, my blood sugar levels were very, very high. And so they said, yes, you have gestational diabetes, so you're going to have to get on uh, a gestational diabetes diet. And they sent me out the door. And I was thinking, well, what, what do I do? I don't, I don't know. This wasn't my actual doctor. It was the other place, the other lab that sends me, tells me to do all this stuff. So I was very confused and didn't feel like I had much help or direction on where to go. And I kept just reaching out to other women. I would post about it on Instagram and I'd say, I have gestational diabetes and I don't know what to do. Anybody have any suggestions? And then I started researching and I'm not a big researcher because research for a hypochondriac is really bad. So it's a, yeah, it's a dangerous. <laughs> so my mom will do the research. Yeah. Good, yes. good thing you recognize so, that. So, I found this book that I can't remember off the top of my head, but I did do a post on it. It's on my Instagram somewhere about, um, you know, what, how to, how to cope with it. And, and then I started 
reaching out to women. And I met this, I talked to this woman who was incredible, who said I had it and she was in the same boat as me. She was as, as healthy as you could be and was diagnosed with it and said it actually was a blessing in disguise. And I didn't believe her when, you know, at first until, until actually I had Maverick and I dropped all of my baby weight off within probably a week and a half or two weeks because I had, I truly wasn't able to gain weight that's not supposed to be on my body because it would have made Maverick huge. And I do think that getting pregnant is a little bit of an excuse to kind of just eat what you want, which is what I did in the beginning. And once I got onto track and I just kind of cut out a lot of that stuff and I found these incredible recipes for chocolate mousse that I could eat that wasn't going to, you know, put me over the edge. I wasn't even allowed to have a banana without it making me feel like I was going to die. I couldn't have fruit. I there were so many things I couldn't wow. have. And I, I didn't want to ever look at a chicken again for the rest of my life. <laughs> so that was kind of, that was kind of the, uh, how it went. And, but I tell you, I'm, like I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on that diet again because as soon as I found out I had it, I was able to completely clear up how I was feeling and I very rarely felt sick mm-hmm. again. I really appreciate you sharing that, Vanessa, and I want to say a couple of things about what you've shared. Is I think that there are a lot of people who think gestational diabetes has to do with your current weight or health, and though you know they've done studies that do say that there are women who are more, maybe who are overweight starting pregnancy could be at higher risk, everyone is at equal amount of risk to be a gestational diabetic. And so I think that um, it's really for people who are listening in to really identify with you and say, like, you are a healthy person going into your pregnancy. It wasn't your personal health that caused this. It's a condition of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And even just the things that you're saying about the symptoms of how you're feeling and how food is making you feel and what specifically high sugar foods, even like you said, a banana would make you feel. And I think it's good for if anyone is diagnosed with gestational diabetes or you know, if you feel like your provider is not giving you adequate amount of information, you can see a nutritionist in your pregnancy. And I know in the practices that I've been a part of, that's definitely something that we direct people towards who have a gestational diabetes diagnosis, because as Vanessa is sharing, your diet can greatly affect your pregnancy and how you feel in your pregnancy, but it can also help manage what is happening inside of your body and your baby, because the biggest concern in pregnancy is your, your insulin resistance and your baby and what can happen with that. So I appreciate you sharing that just because I think like you said, there's a lot of mixed information out on the internet. And then just, I think, you know, your example of finding kind of reaching out and looking for resources and finding something that worked for you, um, as well as adhering to the diet. I think adhering to the diet is very difficult for people. As we all know, pregnancy is so driven by times of wanting to eat and times of not wanting to eat and so many food aversions. But women I work with who adhere to the gestational diabetes diet, who have gestational diabetes, dramatically feel better. Yeah, it's it's definitely, and I've heard recently that they change the number, the the blood sugar number that your body, um, that they watch women at when they're pregnant because so many more women are being diagnosed with it. And I didn't know this until recently that they changed the number because back in the day when our parents were having kids and our, I'm sure that a lot of them had it and didn't even, they didn't even know. I mean, I think my mom had, my brother was about 10 pounds and she's convinced she had it, but they didn't really test it the way they test it now. So if there's women out there that are listening and they, and they, you are diagnosed with it, don't, it's not something like I was, I cried for probably the first month, um, because not only was I so depressed about having to prick my finger, I was so upset that I had to pretty much 
change my diet around. But then once, once I spoke to other women who made me feel not as alone, I was able to really find these great recipes and kind of turn it into more of a game. It was like a game for me. Every morning I'd wake up and I'd say, okay, what's my levels today, you know? And sometimes you can't fix your levels with, with food. You have to unfortunately go on medicine, which I did have to go on some medicine towards the end there. But um, I was really, really strict with my diet and I made sure that I, that I really didn't cheat ever because I just kept thinking this is not a long period of time. This is for my son. Like he's, he doesn't have a choice. It's temporary. And like, I wouldn't want to hurt him. So. Yeah. And, and how frustrating too, you know, it's, it's so common that you had that experience with that care provider who just sent you out the door with, you know, virtually no information. (laughs) And, and of course, like, you are the kind of person, I, mean, I know you said you personally don't like to research because of where it can lead, but you're the kind of person that has access to resources. You have a community, a network of women that you can reach out to. You know, you would you could have access to an alternative healthcare provider or a nutritionist or someone who could, you know, give you some guidance. But think about all the women who walk out of that same exact appointment and have none of that support system and none of those resources, and they have no idea what to do, and they never get that help. And so, you know, it, it obviously, in the case of something like gestational diabetes, can really have a you know dramatic effect on the health of them and their baby. Um, but even with something less serious than that, it's like so many people just are empty-handed. They have nothing. They have no nowhere to turn and nowhere to get that information. So it's, you know, it's it's wonderful that you did have to really reach out and to step outside of your comfort zone. If you do find out that, you know, you have something or a condition that that's upsetting to you and you don't want to, because when I research things, I go into a tailspin and I just, I end up finding the worst stuff online. Like you're probably going to die or this is going to happen or whatever. And none of it's accurate. And so the person that I ended up speaking to that really helped me was somebody I didn't even know. It came through a friend of a friend who saw something I wrote and said, listen, there's this girl who had this, who's friends with my friend. And she connected me with this girl and this woman just changed everything for me. It was literally the only person that helped me. The doctors didn't, Mm -hmm. my wonderful doctor, she was incredible after I had found out all the uh, other stuff once they sent me out of the other place that I was at. And I went to my, my real doctor and she said, listen, you know, the doctor who did my C-section, she said, you're going to be fine. You're, you're doing really great. So she affirmed that. But it's, it is hard, especially when you live in a place that isn't as, I don't know that Nashville is as health conscious as Los Angeles is. I think I could have found probably a million and one different people to help me out there, dietitians, And I didn't really know where to turn here. So I, I just turned to the mm-hmm. internet and to social media. And I was really blown away by the response right. and how many people yeah. have had it. I, there's so many things you don't, no one tells you when you're pregnant about all these other things that could happen. They just say, you know, you end up with mm-hmm. this amazing baby and it's great, but it is, but there are things that can happen along the way. And just knowing that you're not alone and that so many people go through so many different things was really helpful for me. Yeah, I mean, that's that's why we're telling your story and why we tell these stories is because we want women to know that they're not alone and that their experience is, you know, sometimes scary and, and you know, overwhelming and all of those things, but also it's common and it's normal. And, you know, with, with the right support and the right education, like, we can, you can get through this. And I think that your story really really highlights that. So, so you mentioned that later in your pregnancy, you did have to go on some medicine. 
um, was that for an extended period of time or so just it was intermittently? very close to the end of the pregnancy. Um, I was maintaining a healthy weight. Like I, I didn't really f look much bigger anymore because I could tell once I got onto the diet, the swelling in my face and my ankles went down. And the doc the doctor mm -hmm. said, your levels, and I, this is what was happening. I was getting very frustrated because I was doing so well and my, my sugar levels had gotten really good and I had them under control and I did nothing different. I changed nothing and my levels started going high again. And they said, this is absolutely normal. This happens yeah. towards the end. Don't worry. It's okay. We're going to put you, we can put you on some medicine. My biggest fear was I can't, I don't want insulin shots. I can't take those. I can't hardly prick my finger without, you know, feeling like I'm such a wimp when it comes to needles. And they said, you might have to, but let's try this, the, the medicine first, the oral medicine. So they put me on a very low dose of, of the medicine that I can't remember the name, the name of, but it, it helped. And then sure enough, after maybe two or three weeks, it, my levels were going back up and they had to up the dosage a little bit. And then that just kind of worked up until they had my induction date. So I had to be induced because they don't let you go to your, your due date unless you go into labor. So I was induced about a week early and yeah. I just, I just stayed on that medicine medicine and just really oh. kept to a strict diet. Um, but it was, it was kind of like a game for me after a while, just, just really trying to get all those numbers under control and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you gave us the really abbreviated cliff notes version of your birth story at the beginning. I think that was the quickest birth story we've ever heard. Um, do you want to maybe go into some more detail on how your birth went? Yeah, absolutely. So I, my husband and I made the, just the decision when we were pregnant that we were going to work with a doula mm -hmm. and we found these amazing women from this place called Bosom Buddies in Nashville. And we worked with uh, Leslie and Ashley, who were actually the, the two the, that founded the company. And it was really important for, for us to have this because I'm a really indecisive person and I'm very persuaded by, even if a doctor says, I think this is the right choice, I'll say, okay. Even if I went in there thinking, I am not going to do that, the doctor will be able to persuade me. It's just the way I am. I don't know what it is about, about me. But hmm. um, so going in with a doula was nice because we kind of had a plan. And I said, no matter what I, I say when I'm in there, this is what I want. And, this is, and so we came up with the plan. I'm going to have a natural birth. I'm going to have an epidural because, I, like I said, I don't handle pain too, too well. <laughs> And, but I'd like to really try to have a natural, you know, where a vaginal, a vaginal birth, birth. And, yeah. um, and I'd love for only my husband to be in the room and the doctors and the doula. And so I, we also decided that we were going to encapsulate my placenta, which I highly, highly recommend. And what the process looked like was I went in scheduled at five in the morning and I, they induced me probably around, I think maybe... And they induced me pretty quickly and they gave me the epidural shortly after that. And then they waited and I was not dilated too much. And then I started dialing over the, over the rest of the day. And then by around eight or nine at night, I, I started going into more active labor where my, my, I became dilated enough to where I could push. And I was so excited. I mean, I was really like, 
I, I, I was ready to push the baby out. I, I just, I saw it. I knew it. I had prayed about it. I was like, this baby is coming out this way. This is going to be incredible. Like I had my husband on one leg, my do, the doula on the other leg. They were rooting for me. And this, I mean, we went on and my doctor, Dr. Crow, who I absolutely love, she, she was so wonderful. I mean, I just can't even tell you how much I love that doctor. She, she was just wonderful, wonderful. And we just, they were so great and pushing me and, you know, just cheering me on. And I think about almost four hours in, um, or it was around three hours in, my Dr. Crow had to leave the room and make the decision that he wasn't coming out. <laughs> and she said I had pushed it like 150%. And she said, I'm so proud of you, you know, but it's just, unfortunately, I developed a fever and they wanted to kind of move fast and make the decision and do a C-section. And I was absolutely devastated in that moment. I just remember thinking, this isn't, this isn't what I want. This isn't what I planned. And then I'm going to be cut open. And I w- went right back to when I had an emergency appendectomy in Thailand. And the, the thought of how horrible that recovery was for me, I just thought this is going to be a hundred oh, times man. worse. And, um, but you know, I just looked at her and I said, okay, if you think I need to do it, let's do it. So I, I, then I had been pushing for about four hours and we saw the head. I mean, we really thought he was coming out and he was just too big and I was too narrow, I guess. So we did the C-section and it was the most beautiful, most amazing, most calming moment once I held him for the first time. And I don't really want to share just if there's people listening, a C-section, if it's your first time and you have to have a C-section, you're going to be all right. I mean, my, my story isn't one that I, that I just openly share out loud because I, I went through some, a lot of fear in, in those moments. Like I think a lot of people, mm-hmm. a lot of people do. I don't want to scare anyone. So normal. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to make it. It's not this, I think the reason mine was a little worse than normal is because I pushed for so long and because I had a fever and there was just, there was just some things that went along with it, but I got healthy right after that. I was okay. And then uh, I was in the hospital for a few days and then came home and recovery was rough. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'm still, I mean, it's six months in and I'm, I'm still sore and numb. And I think that that's pretty, pretty normal. So I hear, I've been told to do some, some acupuncture down there and do some other stuff on the, on the incision. But I also think I, I pushed myself a little too hard and I lifted my son everywhere and I picked things up. They told me not to do that. Yeah. And I, yeah. you know, so I was a little going a little bit against the grain on what they, they told me to do, but, um, but I would do it all over tomorrow because it is the most amazing experience I w- I've ever had in my whole life. <laughs> mm. And yeah. And, and I've never, I think it's my calling and I think that, having a, having a child is a true miracle and it's a true blessing. And, and I just, I'll cry talking about it right now, but I, I feel very, very lucky. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a baby at my age. I'm, I'm 36. I'll be 37. And, um, I'm, I'm excited to do it again. I, in a little bit more, I need a little more time, but I'm, I, I will, I will try again. (laughs) So, so this time I advise that you, uh, since you might get pregnant again on your first try, <laughs> to make sure you're ready. Yes, I will. <laughs> My husband's ready now. I said, well, you can go have the baby then. <laughs> right. That's right. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Oh, I cannot. No. 
You're not making. Yeah, they, you know, there's there's definitely good reasons to give your body a bit of a break between, and I think adding a C-section recovery to that, you know, just magnifies that. Um, there's a lot of healing that has to take place, and a lot of, you know, both physically and and emotionally. Okay, so today's episode is brought to you by Birthing Stone and their baby sleep coaching program. Tiffany Decker, who's a friend of ours, is the founder of the company and a birth and postpartum doula, and she realized that the biggest need her families were facing was depletion and exhaustion, and so she set out to find the right tools to help them get great sleep as a family. She ended up becoming a mommy-wise certified sleeping coach. If you have a baby, you know how confusing the sleep issue is. You desperately want to get some sleep, but you also want to be sensitive to your baby's emotional and physical needs. And if you go on the internet, you're going to read a million different conflicting things, add exhaustion to the mix, and it's easy to just do what you've always been doing, even if it's not really working. Tiffany and her team at Birthing Stone offer the most personalized baby sleep support that is available. They come into your home and they help you identify your personal goals around sleep, what your baby's developmental needs and even personality are, and they provide in-the-moment feedback and guidance as you work together to figure out what is actually going to work for your family to get the best possible sleep. Tiffany helped my daughter and I a few months ago and it changed everything. I was so worried it would be a rigid program that would make me feel dependent on something external, but instead I felt so intuitive and I feel so intuitive about my daughter's sleep needs and I know how to adapt as she grows and changes. Being well rested means that we both thrive and we're enjoying our time together so much more. Birthing Stone offers their services all along the West Coast, primarily in Portland, Seattle, and the Santa Barbara areas. To find out if this is the right fit for you and your family, you can complete a quick application for a thorough assessment of your family's needs and goals. So head over to motherbirth.co slash birthingstone for more info. Um, I wanted to ask you, you know, you had your doula with you, and I know that that was something that you guys really thought a lot about. Did you feel like having your doula there had the effect that you wanted it to have? Did it, did it help you have, you know, confidence in, in the situation as it unfolded? Absolutely. And that's something I forgot to mention before. The um, One of the things that I had said that our doula, uh, that they did was they encapsulated the placenta, and mm-hmm. which was such a completely foreign thought to me. I really had not heard of it. And it really worked because my husband would even say to me on certain days, he would say, did you not take your pill, those placenta pills today? And I said, I didn't because I, I do, I do believe I have, I have still postpartum depression, not, not to, not to like a crazy extent. I just, I, I do have some really, really like low lows of feeling very sad, but not, not having anything to do with my son or myself. It's, it's more of like, it's almost like the, it's the death of this person I was and now I'm this new person who I love being, and I'm, I'm so excited about it, but I don't know who I am really right now. I'm like, I know I'm a mom. I'm not acting anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I'm an actress. I'm, I'm, I'm not acting as much, and I'm focusing more on blogging, and I'm not doing the things that I did every day, and that's okay, and I have to give myself that grace. And the doulas were so helpful because they really – came they came here after our after our son was born and there they were there they were there for me there and they were they were here for me after and I think the most important thing that a doula does if you do the whole experience with them is they take care of the woman 
Mm -hmm. A woman needs to be taken care of. A man can take care of a woman, but they just don't really understand exactly what we need. And I think that having, even just having this woman to talk to, she would come to the door and I would start crying. I was like, I need, I just, I don't know why I'm feeling this way right now, or is this normal? Or, and it's, it's just was so helpful to have her. And they also helped us with certain, we had, her, we had them a couple of nights a week where they would take Maverick while we were sleeping and they would come in and wake me up every two hours to breastfeed because I'm breastfeeding. And, mm-hmm. and they taught me how to breastfeed. They taught me how to do it the right way. I didn't have a single problem breastfeeding. I, my nipples got raw for a few days I thought I would die when I took a shower and then it was done. I mean, <laughs> I really believe that they, sh- they tweaked a few positions. I was doing something that didn't work and they said, let's try this, you know, and that yeah. was a huge help. And they became like friends to me and I looked forward to seeing them. And it was almost really hard when they left. Their, their goal is to set you free as a parent so you don't feel like you need to depend on them anymore and they can give you the confidence. Yeah. And that's exactly what they did. And I would do it again. We'll do it again for sure. Yeah. I love that so much in hearing what you're saying, just that present confidence that mm-hmm. like you're saying that woman's voice, that woman's support and that tweaking the noticing the observing, but really it's just building your confidence yeah. with their presence. A hundred percent. So beautiful. And I didn't believe that when they said it, I was like, I, I want you to be here. The, can't you be here for me? Like it's in six months too. And they said, no, the goal is to really make you confident. And that's what they did. So yeah. It was good. Well, that's the village. It's, you know, we don't, we often don't have our mothers or our sisters or our aunts, you know, nearby or potentially we don't have that kind of relationship with them to, you know, to fill that, that kind of a role. And, and so instead we have this beautiful opportunity to have these kinds of relationships and, and women that do that, you know, Lara and I are, are both, she has been a doula. I am a doula and, you know, being like stepping into that space with women is, I think it's the most sacred thing there is. Like there is nothing like being able to to come alongside a woman and say like, this is what you are made for and you can do it. Like, it's not, it's not about me. It's not about the support person that's there. They just help you to find it, to find what you need within yourself because you have it. You can breastfeed this baby. You can, you know, do these things. And, and it's so beautiful when, you know, when doulas and any, any, you know, whether it's your mother or, your best friend or someone that you hire when they come and support you in that way that really, really enables you to, to find that within yourself. I mean, that's, that's what mother birth is all about too, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. I I just get like chills talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) I do too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard because my mom and my sister and my dad and my brother, they're all in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. and, have an amazing mother-in-law in Nashville but there's just something about your mom and when you don't have your mom around it's I mean I think it also was really part of my depression that I was suffering from of like gosh I, I my mom isn't here she came out and was here for the birth and stayed for quite a while but when she left I literally felt like my world was crumbling but when the doulas would show up I thought oh and obviously when my mother-in-law would show up, I was just like, thank God, you know, my mom, because she's like a second mom to me now. Mm-hmm. Um, but just women, women supporting women. And 
I love that you're, I, I love that you're both doulas. I actually feel like I kind of knew that, but now I know. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. So yeah, it's... I just, I just admire you both for that because I think it's, um, I think it can be a challenging job, I would imagine, but it's just so rewarding and so beautiful to be able to be there for Absolutely. people and women through that process. So. It really is. I mean, my own postpartum experiences, you know, each, each time I had a baby, my mom would come and stay with me. And I, especially when my, when my first son was born, I remember feeling how you described where, when it was time for her to leave. I mean, I truly actually felt panicked. Like I cannot do this without you. And my mom was so wonderful, both while she was there, but also in just kind of the way she transitioned herself out. And just the way she said to me, like, it's actually time for me to leave because it's time for you to see that you can do this. You know, it's time for you to see that it's not me bringing you yogurt and blueberries in bed. It's not me like, you know, holding the baby in the night. It's you, you're, you're the one that's doing it. And, yeah, and you can do it. And yeah, you got us. totally. And yes, God it is hard. <laughs> it is hard when they leave and, and it is hard to transition to being a new mom, but, but it's also amazing how you just do it. You know, you do it. I mean, you really do it. And, yeah. and I think that it takes time. I mean, I had that same panic, like every time I would just panic. And then I remember the moment where I thought, I think I've got this. And then something new would happen. And I was like, oh my gosh, now what do I do with this? Yeah. <laughs> but you just learn as you go. And I just think about all these women in these third world countries that are having babies and they have nothing that we have and they don't have doctors. They don't have probably, I mean, they have a village of people helping them, but it's, it's, um, it always gives me that. I always think about that and think I'm going to be okay. We're going to be okay. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely think about that. And Lisa and I have talked about this quite a bit in the last month or so. Um, just that intuition is your greatest tool. I think we live in, uh, we, we all happen to live in the United States where there are actual like thousands and thousands of tools to help you be a new mom. And some of them are life-saving and you would never give them up, you know, (laughs) but your greatest tool is really your intuition and your own mother voice. And even if you didn't have a breast pump or a, or a bumpo pillow, or if you didn't have, you know, (laughs) if you didn't have nipple cream, if you didn't have placenta pills, you would still have that part of you that is connected to your child. And, um, I, you know, and we hope that all those things just aid in that, but it, it's interesting. Like we've talked a little bit about that lately and hearing that from women is I knew like there was something I knew, I knew something was wrong. I knew something was right. Kind of what you're saying. I knew what my body was telling me. And I think that's so valuable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Absolutely. Always listen to your, always listen to your gut. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned like how the placenta pills you feel have really helped with postpartum depression and that that's something you've to some extent experienced since your son was born. Is that something you noticed right away? Was it something that, you know, has ebbed and flowed or decreased over time? What has your experience with that been? So I noticed in the beginning, I didn't have it right away. I think, I think it really, so it started kind of kicking in a couple weeks after I had Maverick. And then around three months, I took a turn for the worse is what I'd like to call it in my head. Mm -hmm. I went, I went from being fine, bringing him out, like just kind of, well, let me back up. Actually. I, I was a little paranoid in the beginning of having anyone around him. And then I got over that and I was, you know, I, we would go out, we would bring him out. We would kind of taken places people would look at us like wow that's great that you're getting your baby out this early and I thought oh great I'm you know I'm I've got this 
And then I think around three months or four months, I kind of reverted backwards and I, I started getting a little more paranoid, more hypochondriac, <laughs> more angry, like out of nowhere. I would just look at my husband and be like, why are you holding him that way? And then he'd look at me like, you're, what is wrong with you right now? You know? <laughs> and it would just yeah. be like a switch would turn on and I would just become this person that I wasn't. And, and then I would kind of calm down and then, then he would do something else. And I'd be, and I was so becoming so critical of my husband. I felt so bad. I got, I, th- I kept thinking, gosh, if I were uh, in a relationship with me, I would probably leave me right now because <laughs> this person that I have become is, is like out of control. So I was taking the pills and then I st- sort of stopped taking them. And I think I just kept forgetting to take them and yeah. mom brain. And then I, I would just feel really bad. And then that kind of weird behavior where I was just out of nowhere, I would just look at my husband and just snap at him and be like, I'd like yell at him or I, I'm thinking, now, wow, of course my husband has my, our son's best interest in, in mind, just like I do. He wants nothing but to keep our kids safe and protected. But in my head, I was, I, I'm the only one who knows how to, <laughs> how to be, take care of him. And I'm the only one, you know, and I, all these thoughts were going on in my head. And I, and I started getting really frustrated and depressed. And, and I kept saying to my husband, who, by the way, is in the wellness industry, he's, he, owns a company that, you know, they basically, they, they do therapy all the time. So he, he, I turned to him and I said, am I crazy? Like, please tell me the truth. Like, am, is something wrong with me? Do I need, do I need help? Do I, what do I, what do I need to do? I'm, he said, no, I, the more women I talk to, this is very normal. Your, yeah. your fears, your anxiety, your panics, the panic attack thing you're having here and there, it's all very natural and normal for, especially for a new mom. And the postpartum depression is real. It's, it's, I, and I was totally open to, you know, maybe I might need to take something for it if it got worse. But luckily, um, about a few weeks ago, honestly, it's really just started to taper off. And I go through my moments where my son got a really bad cold recently and I'm still breastfeeding. So I thought, wow, I mean, I thought breastfed babies don't get sick, you know, and of course I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just going through all these horrible thoughts and the flu season is terrible. And, and I went really, I kind of reverted back again to crazy parent and being very critical on my husband again. And, you know, looking at him like he was crazy every time he would do something. And I just kept thinking, this is terrible. I I have got to get it together, you know? And, and the hardest part, and I say this to like anyone who is, is like preparing to become a mom or a brand new mom, like just having it, like, I don't know anything except for the things I've learned in the last six months. But for me, you learn a lot in six months. You learn a lot in six months, but like (laughs) I'm learning something every single day. And I clearly would never ever call myself a teacher or advisor or anything. I just would say, you know, the, 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 the anxiety and the fears are, are very real and depression is okay. And it's something to, talk about and and if you're feeling depressed and if you're feeling it's okay to like not be a perfect mom I have friends who they 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 wouldn't tell anyone what was going on and everyone thought they were great on social media and then all of a sudden you talk to them and they're totally falling apart and and you see all these girls on social media with their blogs and they're perfect and their hair's great and they have three kids and god I don't even know how they do it but then you talk to them like it's hard and those pictures are all taken in one day and they're spaced out for a month. So don't look at social media and think that 
these people have it together because they don't. I mean, it's it's a really it's a yeah. it's a it's a daily learning lesson and and give yourself grace and if you're feeling depressed, definitely talk to somebody about it and 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 there's no shame at all in needing to get help or even needing to take medication if you're if you're having a massive depression because I feel like it would if I got to the point where I needed to take medicine, I would want to because if I became as depressed as I thought I could possibly become at some point, I would be, I wouldn't be able to enjoy my son. You know, I'd want to really be able to exactly. enjoy him. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's just that age old, you know, principle of like, you can't take care of someone else if, you know, if you can't take care of yourself. And, and I think that the, it, you know, the, the epitome of motherhood is putting your children ahead of yourself. I mean, it, and that's what we do, you know, and it just really, there's so many women that suffer through all kinds of things, including postpartum depression without ever reaching out for help, without even realizing what's happening because, you know, they feel so driven to just care for this, you know, for this being. And, and that is of course the most wonderful drive and it's, it's so necessary biologically. Yeah. Um, but we also have to take care of ourselves. Absolutely. And asking for help is so important. I, I remember in the midst of feeling depressed, I was convinced that I had to do this all on my own. Like I had to show my mother-in-law and my friends and my parents and everybody, I got this. Like I'm, I'm okay now, you know, I'm, but I, I, I think like I'd be home all day alone with the baby because I refused to ask for help and I refused to look into trying to find somebody to help me during the day from time to time because I just felt like that made me look, uh, you know, less than or like a weak yeah. parent, you know? Like a weak parent, yeah, yeah. Absolutely not. It actually made me a better parent because I could actually go to the bathroom alone now or I could, you know, get out of the house for an hour to go take care of myself to go to the gym and try and get my body back in, in shape and be a better mom and be able to hold my son because, you know, my body started hurting and things were kind of falling apart and I got tendonitis in my left wrist and all these different things started happening and I thought you know what I I have to surrender and just say I it's okay to ask for help like it's okay to let my husband yeah. have the baby it's okay to leave the house with my husband for an hour you know or leave the baby with my husband for an hour and he's going to yeah. keep the baby alive like I it was these fears of just like <laughs> crazy thoughts that go through your head you know yeah it really is. Yeah. I think that, you know, we've, we've talked to people on the show who have given birth in other cultures, whether they are from that culture or are, you know, expats. And it's amazing to hear and to be reminded that, like you said, you know, you're home alone with the baby all day and you feel like it would be weak. It would show weakness to, to like call a friend or maybe like hire a babysitter or do something, you know, like ask your mother-in-law to come help. And the truth is, is that it's only in our culture in the last, you know, maybe generation or two that any, any new mother would ever even be in that situation. Like, it's actually crazy that you would be home alone all day with a baby. And I remember we talked to this one woman who had given birth in Guatemala and um, it's our episode is called Birthing Abroad. And she says like, there's, it would be unheard of there for a new mom to be home alone with the baby all day. Like, it just would never, ever happen. Like 
they mother in packs, you know, and, and granted we have, we have, you know, different social structures and different, you know, economic structures and all of that where we live, but there's, there is no weakness in, in reaching out for help and surrounding yourself in help. I, I say that like the more people that have heard you yell at your kids and have seen your house a complete disaster, the better, like you don't want just one friend that has seen that side. (laughs) You want like the more, the better. A hundred percent. Definitely. Yeah. And those are the real friends too. The ones that come in and are like, I love it. (laughs) They're just, this is the way the house looks. It's a mess. Welcome to being a mom. It's going to happen to you at some point soon (laughs) or, you know, it's inevitable. (laughs) Vanessa, I I wanted to ask you, um, since you were, you know, like you said, later in life, having kids, did you watch a lot of your friends have kids over the years and kind of get to see their early motherhood and collect all your information and kind of have an idea of what the season might look like? I had some friends, like I said, I'm from Los Angeles and in Los Angeles, everybody is very work driven now. Women are very into their work and most of my circle of friends are actresses out there or artists of some sort. And their main focus was not really to have children, which some of them are hurting from it now. Some of them aren't, some of them are fine. Some of them, you know, are trying now, um, either struggling with it or getting pregnant at a later age in life. And so I never really felt crazy, crazy pressure out there. I did have um, several girlfriends have babies. They got married younger. I was actually more on that train of, gosh, when's anyone going to ever marry me? I kind of thought I was that girl that no one would ever get married to. I was in very long relationships, and then they would end. So I, so when I got married, which happened obviously later in life, and it happened about four and a half years after we were already together, so we we, everything kind of went fast. So being in Nashville, I definitely felt the pressure though, because there's something about the South. I mean, there, everyone I know here had kids or was starting to have kids or has three or four and they're younger than me. I do have a couple mm-hmm. girlfriends out here that don't have kids. And yep. I tended to kind of cling to them more in the beginning um, when I moved out here and they're still my dear, dear friends. And they're, at, they're on the same path now. They're all trying to get pregnant or they're getting married or whatever. Um, but I just liked that we were all kind of in the same boat. We were, we were doing it a little later in life and that made me feel okay. And I think it's really important to, I, it's one of the things that I really strive to talk about. Like I, I have a lot of people that message me and they think that I have this perfect life. I've got this husband and this baby and all these, and that is absolutely not true. What I went through to get to where I am now has been a crazy roller coaster. I, like I said, I never thought I would get married because I truly thought that I was just the girl that no one would ever marry. And my relationship was not a fairy tale. We chose each other and we love each other and we made that choice and I had to move away from my family and all these things happened that I never would have, I, you know, I, my goal in life wasn't to move thousands of miles away from my parents and start a family and not be able to see them that much. That was actually my nightmare. And so it's not a nightmare now. It's a beautiful thing come true. But, but I, there's a lot of things that didn't, didn't go the way that I wanted them to. Um, but I think that getting, getting back to the question, sorry, I went a little, um, off, but it's, um, it's really, it's really important for a woman to not put pressure on herself. Like I, I started putting pressure on myself about my age and I'm not married yet. And I started going, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, I want to have a baby and I'm not going to be able to have a baby and I'm not going to be able to do anything because I just kept saying, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not because of my age. 
and I've got these girls that reach out to me and they say, I'm, you know, I'm 30 or I'm 31 or I'm 32 or I'm 33 or whatever. Or even when someone they're in their late 20s messages me, I'm like, you've got time now. <laughs> don't worry about it. But I think that more importantly than anything, don't settle. You know, really, really keep, keep looking for what you want in your life with a man or a woman or whatever it, whatever it is. And and know that there's a plan for you and it's okay to have a family later in life. Like I, I know that we are going to have to maybe move a little quicker if we want to have two or three kids because I don't want to be really exhausted and old when I'm like, like, hopefully I'll be able to meet my grandchildren, you know, but I do, I do think that life is a little different now and, and women have careers like they didn't have them like back when our, you know, they, it was just a, a very different time way, way back in the day. And I think that we still kind of have that in our heads. And I, I do love to work and I think it's important and it makes me feel very strong and confident. And, and I know a lot of women are in that, in that same place. And they, the thought of having a child is just changes everything. And, um, I do think that having a kid later on in life is a blessing too because you have more patience and you you don't feel like you're missing much because you've done everything and now it's time. <laughs> so I think that I was struggling a little bit with it and now I'm I'm very happy that I waited. There's a few things that I wish that I didn't wait for, like I said, getting older and the grandkids and all that one day, but um, I think most importantly is just it's, it's really all about your own timing with everything. Yeah. And the truth is, is that, you know, whether you have kids when you're, you know, 19 years old or, you know, in your late thirties, I mean, that is your path. Like you, you won't get to experience the opposite. You won't get to experience being a young grandparent and that person won't get to experience like enjoying their, their twenties with, you know, with their partner or, or as a single person or whatever that looks like. And so there's trade-offs no matter what. And and the truth is you only live your story. Like you'll never, you you know, it's just, and I think the fact that we're older and we're a little more set in our ways has been both a challenge and both really great we're more established. We were able yeah. to afford to have somebody help us because we've worked hard. My husband has a, a business that he's worked his butt off to, to make and to make it successful. And, um, and we, we both have kind of had to take a step back and go, wow, we really can't do a lot of things that we used to do. But at the same time, we look at each other and think, gosh, but how amazing is it that because of Onsite, which is my husband's company, um, because of onsite, we are able to have a babysitter, <laughs> you know, maybe when we were, if we were 21 and we, we didn't really have our jobs figured out back then and we had a baby, it would have been a different story. But every, like you said, it's like everybody's mm-hmm. story is their story and their path is their path. And this was ours and I wouldn't yeah. have it any other way. So thanks. It's wonderful. Well, I'm, I have just absolutely loved hearing your story. Would you actually tell people what OnSite is? My husband and I are actually going to be doing it in April, and we've been hearing amazing things about it for years. So maybe just so that people know what you're so talking exciting. about. Uh, just tell them what I OnSite is. I am so happy to hear yeah. I didn't know that. Um, so OnSite <laughs> is uh, this amazing place in Nashville. It's, it's about 45 minutes outside of Nashville, and it's a wellness retreat center where people go to kind of just heal. Like anybody can go there. I'm, I wish my husband 
could write down like a two sentence thing for me because my, yeah, here's yeah, your, here's your elevator. my brain goes to like, it's so amazing. <laughs> I went and this experience, right? There's rolling hills and you, you, you drive up the driveway and your life changes, but which does happen. But so my, the way that I explain on site is it's, it's anyone can go. Um, somebody that's just trying to go for a tune up or somebody that's struggling their marriage or couples can go, or if you have literally been through the worst trauma that you could possibly imagine, you can go and do um, long-term treatment there, but they do something called an LCP, which is living centered program, which is, which is incredible. And that's what I did. And that's seven days. Basically you do nine months of therapy in seven days and it's experiential therapy. So you're in a, in a small group setting and it is the most incredible experience and I, I highly recommend it um, if you're if anybody's going I'm not trying to plug on Sarah right now but I do believe in it and I went there you asked me to I asked you to I believe in it so much um, my husband and I have done some work there but we're gonna do like a we're gonna do a, a couple ship retreat a couple ship program at some point too to just tune up and 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 work on our relationship but they have all different programs and and they also like I said the long-term center where you would go uh, if you've had you know pretty pretty severe trauma or if you're working through stuff that you can't really get through in just seven days and um, yeah it's it's a wonderful wonderful place onsiteworkshops.com I think is how you can find it yeah we'll share it in the show notes um, of the of the episode on our website as well um, as your blog and how people can find you. So thank you so much, Vanessa. We are, we're so excited to share your story. Thank you so much for having me. You girls were wonderful. Thanks, Vanessa. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Mother Birth today. If you want to be a bigger part of our community, you can follow us on Instagram at motherbirth.co or connect with us on Facebook, where we have all kinds of behind the scenes stuff going on. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show and rate us in iTunes, which allows other people to find us and helps the show to grow. I think it goes without saying, but Mother Breast is a personal podcast created by Laura and Melissa. It's intended as general information. It doesn't constitute or substitute medical advice of any kind. You should always consult with your primary care provider with respect to your medical care. If you're pregnant, planning on becoming pregnant, or in the postpartum period.